lot of people draw the line for the first science fiction in different places. It's easy to look back to really old stuff. Indian texts, a Japanese tale, or Greek satire could all fit the bill for the first true piece of science fiction. And probably the one that has the biggest argument is some stories from A Thousand and One Nights. Characters explore other worlds beyond the cosmos. And it's fascinating that there are so many similarities with Ted Chiang's Exhalation, and especially with the story that we read, which is so steeped in A Thousand and One Nights. But when people really look for the first story to be science fiction, the one that comes up a lot is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. story about whether human beings could deal with the creations that they made, with the scientific progress that they initiated, and about whether we should do something just because we could. And right from the beginning, a female science fiction writer writing one of, if not the, most important science fiction books of all time. But science fiction didn't remain a mostly female pursuit. In fact, very quickly, as you can imagine, it was co-opted. Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. Jules Verne was Star Wars. H.G. Wells was Star Trek. Jules Verne wrote utopian fantasies, ideas about what might lie 20,000 leagues under the sea and H.G. Wells wrote scientifically based and socially reinforced critiques and horror stories of what an alien invasion might look like to us. Yes it is, now, now they've parted and the professor moves around one side studying the object while the captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. I can see it now, it's a white handkerchief tied to a pole, flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait a minute, something's happening. A humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from that mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field's caught up by the woods, the barns, the... The gas tank, tanks of the automobiles spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. That is an excerpt from a radio version of the H.G. Wells story, War of the Worlds. And it's far more dystopian than a lot of the other things that you might have heard at the time. 
H.G. Wells and Jules Verne founded the European brand of science fiction and scientific romanticism. It would evolve from there through mostly American writers. There were some like Edgar Allan Poe or this was tied into some of the modernist works some of the absurdist stuff that was being created at the time by Franz Kafka or James Joyce Virginia Woolf but kind of influenced by a very scientific logic and led to a number of authors whose names are still very recognizable Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote stories that are often still notorious today. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey simultaneously with the film. Robert Heinlein wrote Stranger in a Strange Land, which I don't really like. It's a little empty of feeling and Isaac Asimov wrote the Foundation series as well as a series of short stories titled iRobot. Science fiction in this age was often very devoid of interpersonal relationships. It's something that I think was really influenced by the fact that there were just not a lot of famous women writing science fiction. It gives the books of this age an almost dated feel, an extremely dated feel, because they are often very backward looking. The Foundation series by Isaac Asimov is heavily influenced by the Roman Empire. And Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert Heinlein's biggest book, is based on a conceit that is so completely wrong that it doesn't even feel relevant to the modern era. But it would not take long before there were some pretty impressive female voices in science fiction. And two of the biggest ones were Ursula K. Le Guin and James Tiptree Jr. For the most part, the male science fiction authors of this time did not write stories which revolved around interpersonal relationships. They wrote stories that were examinations of societies. Probably the biggest exception was the iRobot series of short stories by Isaac Asimov. But those interpersonal relationships were interpersonal relationships between men and robots and not interpersonal relationships between people. 
James Tiptree Jr. and Ursula K. Le Guin wrote stories that were about people interacting, and oftentimes very explicitly about gender. James Tiptree Jr. was a pseudonym, and her real name was Alice Bradley Sheldon, but she published almost always under the name James Tiptree Jr., and would often write books about gender from the perspective of male protagonists. She has a famous short story, which is an examination of sex from the point of view of another species, called Love is the Plan and the Plan is Death. And she has another story that is almost explicitly an investigation of what motivates a woman who went unnoticed called The Women Men Don't See. It's a very personal story that she's writing, even while she uses tricks and lies to conceal exactly what she's getting at. And for years, people argued about whether James Tiptree Jr. was actually a female, because the author would never show up to collect their awards, they would never be seen in public, but plenty of hardcore, diehard science fiction nerds would claim to their dying breath that James Tiptree Jr. was male. I'm sure she got a kick out of that when it finally came out. Ursula K. Le Guin was able to be honest about her identity and her gender, felt comfortable being out, and her novels far more often do take on very interpersonal themes. The Left Hand of Darkness really tackles what a post-gender society might look like and how disconcerting that might be to a human being from a society that still has two genders. She examines interpersonal relationships with characters that can change gender, that as part of their natural biological processes are gender fluid. And explores the degree to which some biases disappear and the degree to which some biases simply migrate and refocus along national lines. The thing about science fiction written by female authors is that it was often of a less worldwide, less epic scale. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why there are fewer adaptations of female writers, but I think that is part of it. When Hollywood wants to make a movie, they want explosions. And stories that are contemplative exploration of gender weren't big box office sellers and never got made. 
until the last 10 or 15 years when science fiction that focused on interpersonal relationships became more mainstream. Although probably the best example of this is also, in many ways, just another male fantasy. Her is a story about Joaquin Phoenix falling in love with a computer with Scarlett Johansson's voice. It's an exploration of romance and of love and what it means to love something that doesn't have any physical form. But it isn't really an exploration of the female experience. It's much more the exploration of a sad, lonely male experience. But even though it isn't being tackled by a ton of mainstream Hollywood movies, there is some stuff that is very important and influential happening in books. And you're going to hear all about that in the next science fiction episode. I love you, Emily. Te quiero mucho. <laughs>